0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Britain feels broken, but how do we fix it?
1: Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do.
0: Join me, journalist Becca Hudson.
1: And me, the former MP Ed Vasey, for How I'd
0: From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation.
1: And hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of Howard Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Today is the day, waistcoat Wednesday, when the hopes of 50 million people rest on the shoulders of 11 young men on a football pitch. Over 30 million, we watch England take on Croatia on TV screens up and down the country. Gareth Southgate may well become immortalised if victory is secured, and there will be mass hysteria no matter what the result. The police are already warning people to behave, and that unfortunately seems unlikely. After France beat Belgium last night to reach the final on Sunday, police were out in force in Paris, firing tear gas at the celebrating fans. It won't be that bad here, will it? Surely not. 0344-499-1000 is the number. Daisy McCandre is back as well. And coming up later, we'll be talking Theresa May, Donald Trump and the Brexit dividend. She's doing her level best to keep the country's mood sombre. And the president of the USA is preparing to jet in from Brussels to see his good friend Boris. What could possibly go wrong? 0344-499-1000. And as if all of that is not enough, we're finding out about the world's biggest avocado and just how fake our social media networks really are. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Daisy McAndrew on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Well, you're looking a bit nervy this morning, Daisy, I have I to say. I
2: am feeling nervy, and I didn't sleep. I was so <laughs> nervous.
1: I mean, you should take some. Uh, so a leaf out of John Barnes's book, he was telling Julie Hartley Brewer just now, you know, why would I be nervous? I'm not playing. Why should you be nervous? You're not playing. The only people who should be nervous are the people playing.
2: Because it's going to affect me, and it's going to affect all of us, and I know that tonight, like Julie was saying, tonight I'm either going to be really, really happy or really miserable.
1: Are you going to be hiding behind the sofa? I mean, you'll be able to... If you guys have penalties, right... And this is a proper penalty shootout to get to the World Cup final, not like the last one which was kind of give or take. It was exciting, yeah. but it wouldn't have been... You know, you're not quite as excited as you are now for the semi-final and then the final. Yep. So penalty shootout tonight, I think you'll be a basket case.
2: I will. I will be a total basket case. I will be hiding behind the sofa. My children will have to comfort me <laughs> and, t- and t- tell, tell me how it's going. And I am one of those people that does those ridiculous superstitious things of you know, walking out of the room and saying, you know, we're going to score, yeah. which I did on Saturday. Did I walked out of the room and because I had to go and get something. Right. Probably a glass of wine. (laughs) Right. Um, And I said, they will score, and they did the minute I'd left them. Oh,
1: really? So you'll be doing a lot of that, then?
2: I'll be hopping in and out. We were talking about
1: superstition just the other day, funnily enough, and that is interesting. (laughs) You might have seen, uh, Daisy, the 23 Stone fan who starred in the remake of the original uh, Vindaloo song. You know, it's originally written by Keith Allen, but up in Leek in Staffordshire, uh, they decided to sort of set up a flash mob and do a new version of Vindaloo, and they found this guy in a (laughs) pub who took his top off. And I have to say, he was a rather gross individual. However, uh, he's been talking to some of the papers this morning and saying that his wife has given him a of a hard time for doing it and said, <laughs> why don't you just blend in at the back? And he he's... went, well, I can't really. I'm 23 stone.
2: He's got his five minutes of yeah, fame. Yeah, he's
1: had his five minutes of fame. Let's talk to John Cross, Daily Mirror's chief football writer. He was out in Moscow. Uh, we're now looking at uh, not far off, about eight hours to go uh, until kickoff. <laughs> Uh, when England take on Croatia, uh, it's all going very, very exciting. Can, I literally can You a know tingle. what? I can sense. <laughs> I can see you tingling, right? But I also got a sense that there are people in the pub already, just already. Just don't don't even worry yeah. about them going to work. Let's talk to John and find out how it, the atmosphere is in Moscow. John, very good morning to you. Welcome.
3: Very good morning or good afternoon from Moscow, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I tell you what, really is
1: exciting. It's it's very exciting to be in London. I imagine in Manchester is the same. In Leeds, in every part of Britain, bar Scotland, of course. But uh, but it's very very exciting. What's it like in Moscow? I've seen pictures already uh, of Moscow uh, uh, fans from Croatia and England sort of mingling nicely. It seems like they're all getting on very well.
3: Well, I must say that the atmosphere amongst the fans throughout this tournament has been absolutely top class. I mean, do you remember all, the, all those stories we had before mm. the tournament? It's not been like that at all. And with the one thing I was saying the build up to this game, it's very evident, obviously a lot more England fans. I mean, the FA talking about in terms of sort of 10,000 England fans yeah. making the trip across. And I do think it's really noticeable that you've got that, you, you know, we're, we're sort of, at the moment, a sort of a, on a coach transferring between hotels going to somewhere a little bit more central in Moscow. Right. And um, even where we were sort of on slightly on the outskirts, you know, for, for the preview last night, really, really? Um, you could see sort of very visible presence, England fans in their shirts, really great atmosphere. Honestly, the fans have been absolutely top class. One of the biggest features of this run to the semi finals. Has been the England fans in in the stadiums, absolutely singing their hearts out, mm. having this wonderful connection with the fans, uh, sort of between the fans rather than the players. And then at the end of every game, it's become sort of a, a real thing that Gareth Southgate goes over to them and kind of thanks them <laughs> on the pitch yeah. on, on Saturday. You know, Southgate went back into the dressing room, came back out again yeah. after you know most people had left the stadium, apart from the England fans, just to thank them and sort of join in the songs afterwards. Mm. And that honestly, that feel good. Factor between the fans and the team, the connection has, for me, been the best thing of all about this run. It's been incredible,
1: and you can't imagine really any other former England manager doing that, really, short of maybe Terry vanables But I mean, it was great to hear the fans during the Sweden game singing "It's Coming Home," which has become this, you know, rejuvenated yet again anthem. Only this time, maybe we mean it. Um, but also, it's Waistcoat Wednesday. I mean, what bigger tribute could Mr. Southgate wish for?
3: <laughs> I think he finds the whole thing really funny. You know? yeah. He was asked about waistcoat Wednesday yesterday and he was sort of laughing about it and said, live a million years when I was, you know, that sort of kind of rather awkward youngster at Crystal Palace. Did I imagine that I'd be some sort of, you know, become some sort of fashion icon later on in, in, in life, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's just, it's just typical of him. You know, he's kind of very understated and, and kind of there's no sort of ego, there's no side to him, really. He's just sort of open and honest. And I think that's part of it really, that he, he, he's insured. the the sort of the squad that he's sort of mirrored in his own personality. And there's no sort of kind of big stars now. And I think that's, you know, a major feature of why this team has gelled and and become as one.
2: John, obviously the papers, you know, broadsheets and tabloids are absolutely full of of praise for the team and the manager, but also really piling on the pressure and the expectation. And we know that, Gareth Southgate's been so famous for his sort of keep calm and carry on mentality. But how calm Mm. can they keep at this stage?
3: Well, that is the funny thing, you know. We we see the press conference and then we see Gareth Southgate afterwards. You know, he's good enough to kind of give some some extra time, you know, for for the English newspapers. And that, that was most the majority of us came away from that chat talking about how Gareth Southgate really. The feature of his of his chat yesterday was how calm he was, just how measured, how controlled. And if that that kind of. Emanates to the players in the dressing room with everything that he said. This is not, I don't think, an international manager, manager's job and the role of the international manager can be compared at all to kind of a club manager when the pressure is so, so mm-hmm. great. I'm not saying you're not expected to win at an international level, but let's be honest, you're with these guys at a very short space of time. They're at the top of their profession. What impact can you make? Well, I think the biggest single thing. Is, Is kind of that man management and kind of guiding them through a tournament, through a qualification campaign. And I think the biggest thing that, you know, you must have is that man management skill. And if you are calm and controlled, as he has been, telling little anecdotes about sort of lucky socks that he sort of once wore to his sort of cost and found out that that, that basically superstitions don't even work, you know, because he got the sack wearing these lucky socks when he was Middlesbrough manager, sort of laughing about not being able to sing that sort of kind of one, listen to that um, uh, three lines, you know, the football's coming home song for 20 years telling us sort all of, kind of how every time he heard it, sort of, he'd leave the room and, and that sort of thing, really. It just is it just, a measure of the man. You know, Jordan Henderson was sort of alongside him. And you could see that Jordan Henderson at no point, you know, kind of he was just laughing along with the manager. There's a real connection between the players and the manager. And I think that that's so important. It's a different job and he's handling it really, really well.
2: It's interesting you mentioned Jordan Henderson. So there's a lot written about him in today's papers. And sort of again, really putting him under the spotlight.
3: Yeah, it, it, I think the, the biggest thing about this is he's been this remarkable run that he has not lost in an England shirt now mm. when he's played um, for 30 games. 30 not games, since, I mean, that's I extraordinary, it the, uh, isn't it? It's an amazing run, amazing run. But this, I must say, I think sometimes we, we struggle to almost praise and appreciate our own players um, in a way that, that that we wouldn't sort of if they were international players, sort of you know from Spain or Italy. But Henderson has you know has captained a Liverpool team to the Champions League final, anchored their midfield, been an absolute key component of the England team on on this run, and it's just been it's been fantastic. He I think has been one of the one of the three key men. He's just sort of marshalling that midfield, He was so so impressive against Sweden he ran his socks off didn't he he ran himself into yeah. the ground you know, he came off towards the end feeling his hamstring a little bit but here he is again he sort of kind of again sort of bought into the recovery programme I really I really looking looking freshers
2: into So, I'd really liked his reaction when he was asked about you know 30 unbroken wins you know a run of 30 and he said yes but if it had been a run of 30 losers you wouldn't expect me to take responsibility for all those losers so you can't expect me to take responsibility (laughs) for the wins I just thought that was a really nice answer
1: yeah well they all do seem to be much more level-headed and and confident in their own speaking than anyone uh, has been before for, for England teams and they're less nervous us as well. But what about Croatia, John? Because um, a lot of people say this will be the toughest match England have faced so far. Do you agree with that?
3: Yeah, but by far, really. I mean, let's be honest, that that final group match against Belgium was an irrelevance, really. Both teams have qualified. They're both sort of rested players. So by far and away, the Croatia team, I mean, they're 20th in the world. We're 12th. I think people are realistic enough to realise that in, in Modric and Rakitic, they've got you know, two of the best midfielders in the world. They play for, for Real Madrid and Barcelona, respectively. I would make a case for Modric being the best midfielder that we've seen at the World Cup so far. He can sort of run games on his own. This is a different test and, and, and really one that I think pits England against world-class opposition. They really are outstanding. They've come close in in recent tournaments. And I, and I guess actually the thing about them is they probably didn't expect too much from them this time, but they've exceeded expectation as well. What I would say is, that I think England's biggest hope must be that they played their last two games to 120 minutes and penalties. Mm. And against Russia, they looked absolutely shattered. Mm. Their game was the late game. Yeah. England's was was the early game. And maybe that that fatigue factor, if you like, might just give England their biggest hope and their biggest edge in in this game tonight.
2: And John, can you um, sort one thing out for me, and I think Mike as well. We don't understand what this blue rubber chicken thing is all about. <laughs>
3: um, what they do at the at the beginning of every training session is normally they throw a little sort of um, what looks like a sort of a vessel or a vortex, and it whistles when it goes through the air. And they're basically what they they throw it amongst the sort of timbers they're dashing off everywhere. It's just to get them warmed up and limbered up. And I guess throughout sort of kind of what have we now been four or five weeks, that becomes sort of almost slightly dull um slightly sort of you know boring repetitive, so to shake shake it up, they just sw- switched the vortex for a plastic chicken, and we're <laughs> chucking that about yesterday and it's as simple as that, and I guess they they actually you know the f a are really good at the moment, sort of the media department they 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 kind of get it and they try and lay on different. Um, you know, back in the day, let me tell you. Not only did they, the, the previous kind of regime, um, they banned us from asking about darts and the Players Darts Tournament in Euro 2016. They would do little things like sort of kind of insist upon training on the faraway pitches, so it would be as difficult for the photographers to get interesting pictures as possible. This lot, you know, I'll include Gareth Southgate in that, and the kind of the media team actually put the, the players and the sessions on the nearest pitches. And so it's good for photos. And also, they also try and sort of do interesting different little things. They obviously realised that the sort of plastic chicken would create a little bit of buzz amongst the photographers. And it was just good fun, you know. And that typifies the spirit, you know, sort of, uh, you know, and the feel good sort of between the media and the team. It's
2: just so much more sensible, isn't it? That instead of, you know, us the media being the enemy you know we're not the enemy and we are on their side but you know that in the past with the very big personalities and you know all those sort of their lives being sold to hello and therefore being really secretive over their you know their sort of personal pictures and so on they just created entirely the wrong atmosphere
3: yeah they did and listen we've had better players and better squads in the past i mean i remember 2006 and you know that that was kind of the the real sort of high point i guess of the golden generation you know, we reached the quarter-finals against Portugal. And it was just that they they just didn't deliver, basically. They didn't fulfil their huge promise or potential. And I guess this time, you haven't got that same amount of quality. I mean, who would you you know, call world-class in, in this group of players? Maybe Harry Kane. You know, I think Raheem Sterling has had a brilliant season for Man City. You haven't got that many megastars, really. And yet it's all about the group and it's all about that kind of togetherness. And that has been the key factor, I think, of this campaign.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, John. We'll have a great night. I'm yes. sure it'll be tremendous there. It'll be even uh, bigger in some ways here, uh, in a way, with the sort of celebrations that will be going on. If England can get through, let's hope they can. John Crossley reporting in from Russia uh, in Moscow. Daily Mail's chief football writer. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves.
1: course was the famous formation that they uh, got themselves into which gets Colombia to stop them from being fouled but one of the things that great things about England's performances right has been that they keep scoring goals from from free kicks uh-huh. and set pieces and all that. We've had which is again, else. Yeah, which again is something that, you know, no England team before this has been as well prepared for. And apparently, as well as throwing the rubber chickens around, they're also practising an awful lot of free kicks and that sort of they've thing.
2: They've been practising all the set pieces. And And corners. I think and that they get, you know, they've had a bit of criticism. You know, luckily I think that's died down a bit. Some people saying that that's a boring and very Germanic way of playing. Well, it's not boring if it means there's you get goals. nothing wrong with
1: boring winning. Yeah. Winning boring, doesn't matter. Who cares? And there's nothing wrong with playing like the Germans, except like the Germans in this particular World Cup, yeah. Uh, where they played very badly. But like I said earlier, I don't know what you do if you're in Scotland uh, and you don't want to see this. What else do you want to watch? Well, Liam has called in from Scotland to say, actually, quite the reverse. Liam, a very good morning to you. Hello there. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine, buddy. I was just calling in. I heard you saying that
4: everybody will be celebrating Bar Scotland. Yes. But to be honest, the support for England up here is absolutely amazing. Is it? It's a to- every- is,
1: is, is place draped with flags of St George, is it?
4: Yeah, everywhere. There's St George's flags on the windows. There's the pubs are all getting involved. And there's the schools all getting involved. Are you involved. sure? you sure
1: you're actually in Scotland? I used Absolutely. to live in Scotland. I used to live there, right? And Absolutely. and I'm, I, both of my parents are Scottish, and I've never seen a flag of St George being being flown anywhere outside of no. a Rangers uh, Rangers yep. supporters' club.
4: Do you know what I think it is? I think it's all the sort of thing of coming together with all the of actually feeling British now. I think it's more of... I think back in the day it was more... Separated and segregated. but right. nowadays, it's like Andy Murray. Uh-huh. He's Scottish when he loses, but he's British when he wins. That's right. Well, what about? What uh, I mean?
1: But what about the uh, the independence voters? I mean, they don't want to be waving any England flags around anytime soon. Are they?
4: Uh, I mean, you've got them, but I mean, to be honest, everywhere I've been, honestly, and I live in some rough parts of the world in Scotland, uh-huh. and honestly, there's quite a very, very big support for England to win. Uh-huh. Everybody I've spoke to, anyway, and I I, t- I talk to all types of people from all types of backgrounds. Uh-huh. And they all support England. Okay. Are, up, are they putting up? Are they putting up a big uh,
1: screen in, in, in George? Are they putting up a big screen in George Square?
4: There's a big. No, no. There's a big, big screen getting put up in Edinburgh. If you check it out, you'll see. And there's big screens getting put up all over the country, for this. The semi final tonight, Uh and it's all all advertised enough for loads and loads and hundreds of pubs as well. Okay, um, with free bar drinks, free meals when you come in, and things, it's unbelievable. Free meals, I just wanted to probably will be a great part (laughs) of it. I think, I think, I think
1: you might have been supping too much of the old 12 year old malt, mate. But thank you very much indeed. Enjoy yourself tonight. Where are you going to watch it then? (laughs)
4: Me personally, I'm going to be watching it down the Alexandra with all the boys. There's a big screen getting put up in the town centre. Uh-huh. We're all going to be watching it. In which, which town boys. centre? They win. Which in town? Alexandra. Where's that? That's the next to West Dumbarton, so that's in Dumbarton. Oh, Dumbarton, I OK. hope to God
1: they win. Yeah, yeah well, we I too. We all do. Thank you very much yeah, indeed. Liam from uh, Dumbartonshire there. Great, cool. Uh, which, so maybe uh, these stories about... Maybe we this. should all go to Scotland and get free meals. No, I think I think Liam's slightly over-exaggerating. I mean, the only reason that anybody puts a St George's flag up in Glasgow is because they're Rangers fans. Well, you never know. In the know. same he way is, that the no, I do know because I he, lived there.
2: Yeah, but you lived there in the past. Yeah. he's there right now, and you, you know, you and I both... Well, think you did, believe
1: him that you go into a pub and get a free meal to watch England. No,
2: I think he, I think he, his mouth slightly ran away. Are you with, sure you're a broadcaster with him? But he's he's there, and he's saying that people genuinely want England to win, and he thinks there that will there be has some, but
1: they will be in the minority. I promise you, a
2: unifying uh, sort of mentality. And you know, these stories that I was reading this morning, the paper is all about. You know, some shops running out, you know, the sort of sports shops running out of the Croatian shirts. You and I both know that that is the kind of story that will go down very well with the news desk and it could just be one shop run out of Croatian shirts. No, no, no. If you
1: go to Glasgow tonight, you will see people in pubs wearing Croatian shirts. That's what they do. That's what they do, but they do it as a kind of a funny thing. They don't do it necessarily as a nasty thing. Uh, In the same way that you see, whenever a World Cup happens, you see... Um, Argentinian people wearing Argentinian shirts because Argentina famously beat England. You see them wearing um, any, any the shirt of any country that's knocked England out of a World Cup. That's what the Scots yeah, like to we do. We need
2: more listeners in Scotland to phone us and tell us whether um, Mike is outdated in his no, I am not Scotland- outdated. Trust or whether me. Whether he's up to date. And if
1: they are doing it in Edinburgh, where there's a big screen, which is more than likely because half of Edinburgh is, is saturated with English people anyway, yes. and plus the Edinburgh Fringe is about to start, so you know they're going to be putting it on for people who want to watch it who are actually English. But trust me, Glasgow. Is not a hotbed of English support. I can promise you that, It'll and it be never re- will be.
2: We renaming it St George's Square. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if they're not
1: putting a big screen up in, in George Square, there's a reason for that because nobody would want to watch it. They'd be starting throwing rocks at it. That's what I'm saying. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Nevertheless, there'll be plenty of things to celebrate down here. There's plenty of big screens uh, where you can watch it in England. I'm sure, uh, except for one place in Stratford, which they've decided to cancel. Uh, because of the incidents with IKEA that happened the last time uh, when England beat Sweden. And there was a bit of an invasion of IKEA, which was rather unfortunate. Uh, Let's hope there's nothing like that coming up this time. Massive giant avocados, which are called Avozillas, right, Uh, weighing over 1.2 kilograms, the size of your head. Imagine an avocado the size of your head.
2: Is this a genetically modified avocado? Well,
1: I'm assuming so. We're going to find out from Sandra right now. Sandra, very good uh, evening to you.
2: G'day, Mark, and hello, Daisy. Hello, hello.
1: Very nice to hear from you. Now, I mean, I can't imagine wanting to eat an avocado that big. I mean, have you, have you actually seen one of these things?
0: I haven't seen one of them simply because they're, they're so popular that as soon as they make it into the <laughs> grocery store, they're sold out really? in no time. Wow. I mean, yeah, it sounds they, like and... it's
1: the size of a sort of a football.
0: Well, not that big, but it's pretty big. It's one. The biggest ones have been one point eight kilograms, which I'm not sure in in um, in your imperial yeah. measure what well, that really is. Yeah, four pounds, that's... isn't it? The size yeah, of a very well, small it's baby. Big. Yeah. <laughs> that's one way of looking
1: at it What is meant to be the actual appra- uh, the, the attraction of these things Because I was saying to Daisy earlier One of the attractions of eating an avocado Is that it's small enough that you can cut it in half You can have one half of it And give the other half of it to whoever you're having dinner with And that's the end of it But if you have one of these things Presumably you need to have about 10 people around to eat out of it
0: yeah, well, you're absolutely right there, Mike. Because with the grower, there's only one grower in Australia who is growing them in the middle of Queensland, right. and his family is a family of farmers. And he said that there's, you know, one morning they cut one open, and they got out of one half, they got nine slices of toast with smashed avocado <laughs> on it. So that's pretty phenomenal. So if you if you if you're doing your um, math, the average avocado down here can, depending on the season can sell anywhere between $2.99 yeah. up to $5.99. And if this one sells for $12 and you get nine serves out of one half, it's a pretty good bang for your buck.
1: It's a pretty hard thing to to, to carry home as well, I would imagine. I mean, what about the, the other problem that you have with avocados? I mean, in this country, we have three versions of avocados. You get the extremely ripe ones, which you can eat straight away. You get the incredibly hard ones that never ripen at all. Yeah. And you just keep them in the house for a couple of weeks and then throw them out. And then the ones that kind of do actually soften with time does this thing do they sell it soft or do you have to take it home and watch it for a while
0: no they're selling them um fairly ripe so you can sort of keep it they reckon for about a week right at the most before you have to have to slice it open and start cooking it and the thing is about um these ones they're they're a low yield avocado tree and they're first imported from South Africa, and apparently you lot over in England
2: got them in two thousand and
0: thirteen. Yeah, see, I don't remember
1: that at all. I've, no, I've, no, I've never seen a giant avocado in my life.
2: No, no, I haven't. And how do we do? Do we know how they make them so big? Whether there is some sort of GM element?
1: Yeah, there's absolutely
0: no GM element. They're a hundred percent all natural, and it's just a special breed of the avocado oh. tree, which was initially known as a post office avocado tree. Oh, really? And until they, yeah, and so they changed it when it came to Australia and said, no, post office avocado tree doesn't sound that great. We're going to call it Amazilla.
1: <laughs> I wonder if it'll start a trend. We like, like you know. them big down here. Well, I know. I've heard that. But, I mean, what about, you know, is there any, somebody's going to make a giant orange or a giant banana or, a, you know, a giant cherry? I mean, it seems like the world could literally be your giant oyster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's true. And Australia does have an absolute ridiculous... Um, love affair with putting up great big monuments like we've got the giant prawn we've got the giant pineapple we've got giant everything around (laughs) we've got the big banana
1: Right. What is the big banana?
0: So the big banana is, is near another Queensland banana farm and they say they make your best banana so they had this monstrous banana made and it's Adorns the side of a highway.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, that's bizarre, bizarre, very strange, isn't it? And as far as kind of the sales of this go, are the people making them getting very rich on it, do you think?
0: Well, the farmer is saying that he's not going to get very rich on it because it is a low yield plant ah. and they're not a lot of, they don't get a lot often. You know, you can get up to 500 avocados off a regular avocado tree mm. per season, but these ones are sort of no nowhere near as um, many of them come off the tree.
2: So it's not going to help the avocado crisis. Do you remember last year there were talks that you know that yeah the I
1: thought we were running out world's avocados.
2: consumptions of avocado had gone up so much mm. that um, that we were going to run out because I think here in the UK Peru is our biggest well Mex- Mexico I think is is yeah. where we get most of our of our avocados uh-huh. but I guess if this is a low yielding fruit it's not going to help much with that crisis hipster crisis.
0: No, it's not. And I'm not sure what it's like in England, but here we have this thing called smashed avocado. It's a big brunch item. Yeah. People love mashing up their avocado and mixing it with pepper and some paprika and salt and then whacking it on your toast.
1: Oh, So we do, so you don't, it's so not a guacamole type thing?
0: No, not a guacamole at all. No. It's just sort of basically the raw fruit sort of smashed onto your toast with a bit of lemon juice and you know, assorted condiments.
2: Yeah, it's got to be sourdough, though, to be true, hip- has it? true hipster. Style. Yeah. yeah, And then See, you've got to be charged I mean, I mean, a lot you know of money. When,
1: you know when things are going badly wrong, when even the little canteen here at Talk Radio Towers has got a guy selling avocado on toast?
2: Yeah, for breakfast. For breakfast. But it is a superfood, but I like, think people do forget that it's still very high in calories. It is super
0: high in calories and it's super high in oil. The thing is, about avocado, smashed avocado down in Australia, one of our social researchers a couple of years ago caused an absolute outrage when he said that the millennials were never going to be able to buy themselves a first property because they were having enjoying smashed avocado on Saturdays and Sundays. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did see, I saw that the other day. In fact, I, saw, I can't remember what the story was the other day. I saw, I saw one of your politicians was in trouble recently. Was it this week for saying something that was uh, out of order?
0: Oh, oh! What day? Any day. Yeah, Just well, line I mean... them up, Mike.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely right. Well, listen, Sandra. I, I presume you're not as convi- uh, consumed by the World Cup as we are, because Australia, of course, got into the World Cup, but then uh, didn't go very far. No,
0: we got in and got
1: out. Right. Well, we are. Yeah, we, we are now. Yeah. We are now sort of labouring under the, the belief that England are going to win the World Cup again. And so tonight, it's England against Croatia. You've got a lot of Croatians actually in um, uh, in Australia, haven't you?
0: We have. We've got a huge population of Croats here and they're already gearing up. But we've also, I think, got a bigger population of um, expat poms and they're they're going crazy about it, too. (laughs) And I have to say, I'm I'm rooting for England.
1: Well done. Well, you'll have to avoid any sort of uh, football related bars, though, won't you, for the next 12 hours?
0: Yeah, yeah, because they go crazy, don't
1: they? They do. Well, unfortunately, they go crazy, and we're hoping they won't go too crazy. But uh, but enjoy the, uh, enjoy the game if you watch it, and thank you for supporting England. And um, if you get your hands on one of these avocados, don't forget, you should tweet it out. Yeah, take uh, a for, picture. We'll take a picture of it next to your head for scale <laughs> yep. so that we can see how big it is. <laughs> We've been talking about Scottish uh, uh, involvement in watching England playing and uh, we've been told that there might be a big screen going up in Edinburgh somewhere. If you're if you're up there, please do let us know. One of the more unusual places where you can go and watch the football tonight, though, is up in Liverpool in a mosque. Uh, and it's the Abdullah Aquilian Mosque in Liverpool. Uh, and we're going to speak now to Moomin Khan, the chief executive uh, of that place. It's England's first mosque, I believe. Moomin, uh, very good afternoon to you. Welcome.
5: Good afternoon to you, Mike. Uh, it's great to be on your show. Thank you for inviting us.
1: No, not at all. Listen, it's just, uh, this is a great idea. I mean, obviously, for a lot of England fans, it won't attract them because you haven't got any alcohol there, but that's probably a good thing, right? Because it means that nobody will be jumping on top of cars afterwards.
5: Uh, absolutely. I think it, uh, I mean, the last one that we staged, uh, we staged the whole World Cup throughout the whole month and the, the big event was the Russia playing Egypt. Oh, yeah. And we had the over 100 people coming and of barbecue and it, although the alcohol wasn't there, but it was a unique uh, community entertainment uh, um, occasion for right. everyone, and people didn't feel to drink alcohol. It was so good. Right. So I think uh, there is an alternative to alcohol, having uh, like a family gathering, types, having Muslims, non Muslims, the whole community came together on that. And since then, we've been staging the, throughout the whole month, really, and people who want to come they can watch it. And it's the very first time that. Uh, in the UK, has ever, or anywhere in the world, has ever staged a World Cup? And so, what are you, uh, what are you so expecting?
1: What are you expecting tonight, Mumin? You expecting a lot of like I don't have that many Croatians that live in Liverpool. Uh, you can expect a lot of England fans.
5: Absolutely, yes. I'm, I'm getting calls as I'm now. Are we showing the matches? Of course, we are showing it. So we are we are gearing up for the uh, semi-final, and would like to congratulate the new England, young England team for making it a success. In 28 years, that's a long time, to be honest. And we're delighted that they will go through to the final. And we're all praying from England's first mosque that they become victorious. And I'm 100% sure England will make it to the final.
2: And I moving mean, away from the English, you know, the England team football. I mean, I understand that you know, Liverpool um, has done a lot as far, and particularly there's a Muslim community by embracing Mohammed Salah in such a way, and that apparently yeah. there are some amazing chants on the Liverpool, uh, you know, the Liverpool fans chant about Mohammed Salah, and there's there's one that I've read that he says that, that the chant goes something like, um, if he's good enough for you, he's good enough for me. If he scores another few, then I'll be Muslim too, and it yeah. ends with the words, he's sitting in the mosque. That's where I. want to be. It's
5: just fabulous, isn't it? Absolutely. It's amazing how Mo Salah, through his simple act of worship and his good integrity, has changed the mind and heart of of the fans. Normally fans are always chatting negative chants aren't they, for fun? But this one turns out to be quite the opposite, and it's bringing, bringing negative perceptions that people hold about the Muslim community, but also it has given a lot of boost and confidence the Muslim community to be able to go and engage more with football and go to the football ground and watch matches with the families. In the past, a lot of people say, oh, I'm really scared. I don't know what I'm going to be uh, meet with and I don't want to take my family or myself in case I get attacked or hate and things like that. Mo Salah has done a groundbreaking in breaking that sort of perceptions and barrier. He has created friendship among communities of all diverse backgrounds. A wonderful ambassador for the for the whole world, really, for the whole humanity. Indeed.
1: And what about food? Are you going to put any food on for people? Because that yeah, would always yeah, don't be a big you,
5: thing. We, we, We've had a barbecue. We're going to put a barbecue as well, and there'll be live refreshments and barbecues in the backyard. So um, I would like to say everyone's welcome, and uh, it's on our Facebook, and hopefully we will get a good turnout today. Um, although alcohol is missing, but I think there are people who would like to enjoy a match without the alcohol in a very family and friendly atmosphere.
2: Well, Moomin, we'd love to see some pictures. So do, do take some pictures of the event tonight and uh, send them to us on, on Twitter or, or whatever form, because I think it sounds like a fantastic uh, thing you're doing. Uh, and, and as you said, absolutely. Mo Salah and the other Muslim players in the Premier League, I think, have made a huge difference to yeah. diversity. You know, We're so used to hearing the horrible chants of the National Front in the old days or the EDL you know, yeah. on the football terraces. And it's, it's such a nice mm-hmm. story, this one. It is.
1: Very nice indeed. Uh, have a wonderful uh, uh, evening, Moomin. And thank you very much for uh, taking the time to talk to us.
5: Thank you for inviting us, and I wish England the very best, and we are behind the whole team, and um, we will be praying for everyone to make uh, England a victorious on this occasion and also into the
1: final. Thank you very much indeed. Well, yeah. certainly there's going to be all sorts of prayers being offered up, I think, from <laughs> 7 o'clock tonight uh, of all denominations, of any kind whatsoever yeah. that people can get their hands on.
2: Superstitions, I love it. Superstitions,
1: rabbits' feet being rubbed, yeah. you know, black cats uh, being sort of walked around, ladders being walked uh, around as well. Uh, lots, lots more of that to come.
2: Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
1: So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio.